Welcome to the Shiro Shift podcast, sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. I'm your hostess, Carrie Anderson. Cardio Dance Babes provides fun, flexible workouts for women, and we're committed to providing an environment for women to redefine what fitness looks like for them. We believe that this is done from the inside out, and the best way to do this is through listening to the stories of others, to get inspiration, gain some perspective, and remember that we're not alone. So from our living room to yours, enjoy this collection of stories from other grown-ass women just like you. All right. Happy Friday, guys. Here in South Carolina, it's a yucky, rainy, disgusting day, which is kind of a bummer because we've had so many pretty days in a row. But we appreciate you tuning in and spending some time with us on a Friday afternoon. So here's what we do every Friday. I sit down with another lady and we chat. And I stream this into our Facebook group because... Uh, we think that it's really important that we learn from each other's experiences and stories. And so I have so loved doing this format for the Shiro Shift. The reason that I ever started doing this was because you may have heard in other episodes of this, during the holidays, I was in line behind another woman at the grocery store, and she went um, to pay for her groceries and asked the cashier if there was a veteran's discount. And it just got me thinking, like, oh my gosh, you don't even know who you're standing next to in line. So it got me to thinking a little bit about how many superhero women we're standing next to or um, in car line behind or passing on the street or whatever and we don't even realize it but the truth is is that we all have a story each one of us has a story i've had people tell me before no my life is boring no everybody has a story everybody has something they overcame because every woman is a superwoman and every superwoman has a story and those stories have the potential to help other women and that's why we're here yes Cardio Dance Babes is all about shaking that booty, having fun, not taking yourself too seriously, and we uh, believe that we can kind of break the mold for what people think women should be and do and say and how they should look. Uh, When we come together in a place like this and we say, no, this is what real women look like. So... All that to be said, if you're watching this today live in our Facebook group, if you would um, give us all the love, if you would put hashtag live, if you're watching it live, if you're coming back and watching this later, hashtag replay. The reason we do that is just so that um, the Facebook algorithm feeds this out to more people and, you know, you never know, maybe there's a special message in here that'll hit the right woman in just the right way today so give us your love um if you have comments put them in the comment section we'll try and get to them throughout um the interview today uh 
so here's what we do. We have a story, we have a discussion, and then we go through the shift, right? The shift of thinking through the three G's and shifting from past, present, and into the future. So I'm ex especially, especially excited about today's episode because I get to interview a dear, dear friend of mine who, ironically, or unironically, I don't know, is an actual veteran. <laughs> so I would like to introduce you to my dear, dear, sweet friend, Courtney. Courtney is just one of the bright, shining spots in my life. I can't even tell you. I'll get more into that later, but let me tell you a little bit about Courtney. Courtney is a realtor here in the upstate of South Carolina. She works for Berkshire Hathaway and CD Joiner Real Estate. So if you're looking to buy in the upstate of South Carolina, uh, she's definitely your girl. She is a combat dis disabled veteran for the U.S. Army, and she's had more careers <laughs> then I have fingers and toes. This girl has literally done and been everything. So um, she is currently doing a very cool project that I like to believe I had a little hand in pushing her into doing. She's actually writing a book and it's called The No Bullshit Guide to Dying. Yeah, is your interest <laughs> peaked yet? <laughs> we'll get we'll get into it, okay? Uh, she lives with her boyfriend Bo and her dogs, cats, fish, and lizards. She is aunt to many, but mother to none. And I am here to tell you, this girl will give it to you straight. No sugar coating here, but honestly, one of the most encouraging and inspirational humans oh. I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. So, Courtney, holy cow! Thank you for I don't coming. even, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> Jimmy crickets. I'm like, <laughs> like I, I don't really think that she was introducing me. I'm trying to figure out where this Courtney chick is. That was pretty awesome. It's so Thank funny you. when I talk to my other guests and they're like, oh my gosh, this, this makes me nervous. This makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, I think, I think when you see your life laid out in front of you like this by somebody else, it's actually a really cathartic experience it really it, is because yeah. I, I wrote that to you like I, I I mean you put your own spin on it but I mean yeah. I you know I kind of gave you some bullet points but then to hear you say it I'm like I think it's a really it's pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> she is and I think it's really interesting to hear literally from the horse's mouth how other people see you because we never see ourselves no as as wonderfully as we see our our friends so you know honest to goodness if i die i'll let you do my eulogy and you can Sweet. talk fantastic about me okay? oh my god it's gonna be the best dying thing ever <laughs> that's gonna be amazing good. all right miss courtney i mean let's get right into this tell us I, about uh, yourself where are you born uh so i was born in charlotte um so, you know, I'm Southern. I don't really, as a matter of fact, uh, funny little quip. I'm, first of all, I'm super scattered. Okay. So let's just get that first. Okay. Um, but no, uh, so my boyfriend and I actually did one of those 
um, you know, DNA things right. where, you know, and I was so excited because, because I'm such a fan of diversity and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to learn about, you know, maybe I have some of this, maybe I have a little bit of that. Nah, I'm white. I am straight white. It does not get any whiter than me. That is me. I have nothing else in me and I'm Southern. So that's so like, I, I'm, I'm pretty straight right now. There's, there's nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's me. Um, I moved here when I was 15. So I moved to Easley, like right off the bat. Um, my dad got a job and, you know, we followed him and I remember coming here and um, what in the hell have I gotten myself into and why am I here? Um, Easley was a whole different ball game. People even from hanging Scarlett. Out. Yeah. Oh my God. It was ridiculous. People are hanging out in the parking lot at Walmart. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, we were we skating. Right. Yeah. Like what? So anyways, that was, um, pretty difficult in high school because everybody grew up together so I had every intention of moving back and then um I my junior year I had every intention of skipping um on senior skip day or whatever and I didn't so I had to take the um oh that stupid test the military test ASVAB or whatever so right. I ended up having to take that and I scored really high so I did really well on it and um army recruiter reached out to me and he was like hey let me take you out to lunch i'll tell you a little bit about this i'm like yeah yeah haha ha, funny but you know he's gonna buy me lunch all right so um sat down listened to what he had to say and it actually i mean this was before 9 11 this was before you know anything was going on it was nothing really and um <clears throat> so we sat down and um i talked to my mom and she was like well let's go look and anyways she signed the paperwork at 17 i joined up uh, of course, 9-11 happened my senior year, and um, I was just getting out of boot camp. And then um, shortly, like right after my 20th birthday, um, or right before, yeah, so I got deployed on February 2nd, and I turned 20 on the 5th. So I was a baby and uh, turned 21 over there. I was stationed in Baghdad for a little over a year, um, saw some of the coolest stuff <laughs> it is literally my life is separated you know some people's lives are separated by you know when I had kids or when I did this or when I got married or before I was married after I was married this is my split right um everything changed everything was different uh who I am who I was who I could be all the opportunities everything changed um it was it was the best and worst thing that's ever happened to me 100 percent and um so I'm, I'm very grateful for that experience. I was in one of the most attacked sites in Baghdad at that time. Um, we were number two and I survived 72 mortar attacks during that time period. So, um, got, got the, got the badge to prove it. So that's, um, so anybody that tells you that women aren't on the front line, it's all relative. So just, you know, we are, um, but then after that, I came home and um, while I was there, of course, because I, I can't just do my job, I have to get involved in everything else. And um, I taught myself web uh, design while I was there so that I could put together like a newsletter or whatever to send back home because they never got to hear from us. And we were a communications unit. So I was digging ditches and climbing poles and hooking up telephones. And so I had access to all that stuff. And um I kind of got interested in that. And so I came home and went to school, got my degree in that. Um, while I was doing that, I was working for Bilo as a maintenance technician, um, fixing all of the U-Scan machines. So um, 
you know, I had a little bit of hand in that. So then I got, uh, got a job doing real estate and, um, doing graphic design for real estate for a company. And it was great. And it was awesome. And I did that for two years and was also during that time period, got really involved in nonprofit work, uh, ended up being the president of the junior chamber of commerce in Greenville and um, was very, very connected in Greenville at that time. Like to go back and talk to that girl, I have a lot of advice for her <laughs> because it was just a different time period, but got super burnout. And um, so kind of got out of that. My mom got cancer uh, in 2009. So I kind of slowed down a little bit. Then after that, you know, I had, I got into HR work because I lost my job in real estate, but I was so good at talking to people and so good at communicating and training. And I mean, I was, I was training people on Twitter before anybody knew what it was. I was one of the first people on Twitter. Nobody knew what it was. So I was like trying to train realtors. And um, anyways, the girl saw it. So she offered me a job at Waffle House as an HR manager. So I managed 17 stores there, which was very interesting, whole different demographic of people, but very interesting. Um, lost that job. I <laughs> really like two years is about. So you lost the Waffle House job? Laid off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was just like, what could you possibly have done wrong? Never, never been fired. <laughs> <laughs> Never, never you been had fired. To do stuff to get, to get no, no, no. Waffle no, no, no. I know, right? Um, no, I've, I've never been fired. Always either laid off or new opportunity, right? So the same thing happened when I worked for Remax. Then I went to Waffle House, got laid off from Waffle House. Then I got a job at Virginia College where I was a career counselor. Um, again, no experience, no idea what I was doing, but because I could talk to people and because people knew me and I was networking, people knew that even if I didn't know, I could be taught, right? So I could still do it. Um, so then uh, I did that for a few years, got laid off from that job. Then that company opened a new school in Florence, moved there and became a, um, like a guidance counselor really is what I was. I was a guidance counselor without the degree and without the good paycheck that goes with it. <laughs> so um, did that. And then my mom got really sick and it got to a point where, her um, and her partner were not doing well. And she, my mom and I didn't have like the best relationship at this point. Excuse me. I have a really great microphone. So if you hear me burping, I really do apologize, but soda, um, which I know I shouldn't be drinking, but whatever. No judgment. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so she, um, my mom was rough. And so she was very difficult to live with and, had tried to go live with my aunt and it didn't work out. So I was the only person that was willing to take her and which was crazy because we did not get along like at all. And, um, can we, can we clarify that a little bit? So she's, she's very sick. She has cancer. What kind of cancer? Uh, it's called primary peritoneal. It's in the stomach lining. So, um, she, at this point when she came to live with me, she was in remission, but we had heard you know, in the beginning that it would kill her. Like, I mean, they said, you know, we will, we will run out of options. It will eventually take your life. We don't know when, but you know, eventually, or you'll get tired of doing chemo and you'll say, screw it. And that's what eventually ended up happening. Um, but so she just, was difficult before cancer. She was a brat. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you guys had a really strained relationship. At this point, we did. My mother, my mother is an amazing woman. Please don't get me wrong. My mother is an amazing woman. She is, you know, exactly all of the funny, goofy, happy parts of me are her. My attitude is also hers. So, um, and, and I get it honest. And, but, you know, my mom was somebody who would never have been able to take care of herself. I mean, she had jobs, but nothing that would sustain her and two kids. Like she was never going to be on her own. So once me and my brother got out of the house, um, she either decided or found the right person, or maybe she was all, always gay and didn't know it. But anyways, her and one of her friends um, developed a relationship and she left my dad. And that friend was the one that, you know, was basically like, I didn't sign up for a cancer patient. That was pretty much what was said. So that's how I got her. Now, still loved her. We were fine, but my mom, so my mom did not have... I think what happened is when I went to the military, I went from being a 17 year old kid to a 21 year old adult very quickly. And she missed those years. And she missed those years. Right. Right. And when she missed those years, it was incredibly difficult for her to see me as an adult, but she didn't see me turn into one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So at 21 years old, I come home you know, I have a hundred grand in the bank. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been on my own. I've survived bomb attacks. I've done all this stuff. And my mother was still telling me what to do and who to date. And so it was very difficult. It was very, very difficult. Um, so, it, so when she came to live with me, everybody was like, oh shit, this is not gonna, <laughs> <laughs> this is not gonna go well. But, um, you know, we made it work. We did, we made it work. And um, so for those for like the first six months I stayed in Florence and tried to you know continue that career and then we did find out that her cancer had returned and um she really wanted to be back with her um her uh doctors you know that she was used to and the ones that she trusted so I left the job in Florence and got um just a headhunter recruiting job back home so that we could be back to her friends and her people and then once we started getting into that situation, um, we found out very quickly, like that it had returned with a vengeance and, um, you know, she went through one round of chemo and then they were like, it's kind of all we can do. We can try this other, we can try it. And she was just like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And from the very beginning of her fight, you know, we told her like, look, it's your life. When you're done, say you're done and we'll move on. Like, we're not, we're not going to pressure you to keep fighting, you know, your body. And in those years that we were, our relationship grew. And of course we became very close because we had to, but my mom also had a borderline personality disorder. And because of all the medicine she was taking, I mean, we had to have her committed twice. We had to have her, I mean, there was a lot of things going on because of the medications and, you know, underlying issues. So it was, it was definitely a task, right? It was, holy cow. Um, and actually how I met my sister, um, who was not my sister at the time, but we were going to a, a group that helped out with some different things. Anyways, that's, I actually met her before my brother did. So I claim that, but um 
anyway you so, have good taste i know her too. yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah so it was it was difficult but when we found out that you know this was this was it for her and she had just so she had this was like the five-year point right and he was like okay so you have about six months and we were like well that sucks so i you know we kind of that day we were of course super upset and um i told her i was just like you know what let's do a bucket list let's you know i and we'll get as much done as we can because you know you're in retirement right it's earlier than everybody else's and it won't last as long but let's do what we can so <laughs> i was like all right so what do you want to do and i think it i think i don't remember what season it was but anyway she was like i really want to go to switzerland in the winter time <laughs> i was like doable thing. okay <laughs> you got six months i don't know how i'm gonna do that i don't know what the weather's like there now but i definitely can't afford that i don't know how the hell we're gonna get you to switzerland anyways like let's let's bring it down a couple notches okay so she ended up um she wanted to her feet were really bad with neuropathy so she wanted to get a pedicure every every like couple weeks so we had a salon that donated all of that oh. um and i i mean i i went big like I contacted news places. We were on TV. We were on the news. We were, you know, people were hearing about us. I was tweeting all the time. Like I was really like, Hey, I need some help because I wanted to raise money. I was trying to raise money for her to achieve all these things. What I didn't anticipate was people donating all of these things. And so it gave me an opportunity to quit my job and just take care of her. So I was able to raise enough money that allowed me to do that for another year. So it was really actually pretty fantastic um so she she wanted to do the the pedicure she wanted to pet a penguin she wanted to get married she wanted to meet jeff gordon she wanted to go to new york i mean you know and i was like yeah okay we'll see well, we got all of it done i mean we we were able and to jeff do gordon and everything we met jeff gordon let me tell you that was freaking awesome that's he, awesome he actually reached out to us and because really? he had heard about it yeah and um you basically was, made your own make a wish foundation basically yeah where you're yeah. wrong yes and um actually jeff Gort, they reached out to us um the owners of charlotte motor speedway and they were like hey we heard about your story you know we want to we want to work it out well i was trying to raise money just to pay for the jeff gordon experience which was like 400 bucks or something where you get in a line you go up there you get your stuff signed you you might hug him you get a picture and you go home right. that's not what this was so they paid for us to go to Bristol. They paid, they put us up in a hotel. We got to go to the driver's meeting. My mom was the guest of honor. Wow. It's, I mean, I have a video. It's incredible. It's everything you'd think it is and the tears and all that. So, so um, we got everything donated and she was able to do everything. And she was able, she, her and her partner got back together um, and they were able to get married. And it was just, you know, it was amazing. And so by the time she passed away, she really had nothing left to do in her eyes. You know, she, she really had decided that, you know, it was my time. I've done everything I wanted to do. I got it all done. So take me when you're ready. And that's kind of how that went. Um, and then after that, I, I started back at another headhunting job and I was just like, God, I'm miserable. I hate this. And, um, I, I'm not very religious, but I had 
prayed to whoever would listen to me <laughs> and was basically like, if I'm supposed to be doing this, I'll do it. But if not, I need your help. And uh, a friend of mine was like, you know, what do you need to do to get into real estate? And I'm like, well, I got to have 30 grand in the bank. I promise you the next morning I woke up, there's 30 grand in my bank account, 36 grand. And I was like, okay, can I have 40? <laughs> I didn't realize that it was that easy. Um, so basically when my mom was sick, I had applied for disability with the VA and it took that long for them to get it to me. And it just so happens that the same day I started thinking about my future was the day that they paid me all the back pay from it. So it was like, that's so, insane. I've never heard that part of the story. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So I quit my job, went to school and, um, this is after your history. mom had passed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cause uh, you know, and so when I decided I was going to do real estate, the reason that I wanted to do it is because I've had such a difficult time after getting out of the military, finding a job that will allow me to help people my way. Right. Every job, every, Every company I ever went to, I was like, oh, well, we really care about people and we really do this. And no, you don't. No, you don't. Because at the end of the day, no matter what company I worked for, there was some little caveat over here that just made me want to punch somebody in the face. And I was like, you know, I, I really want to do this my way. I want to be able to do it. And I want to be more in control of me because... I was smarter than most of my managers and I'm, and I'm not trying to be arrogant when I say that, but like no, my Meredith, managers, when, uh, Meredith that I interviewed last week. I mean, I think that's a really common problem. It, and it was like, and it wasn't even that I was smarter than them because I'm okay being smarter, but they wouldn't listen to me and they wouldn't, they weren't willing. They had too much pride to let somebody, you know? So anyways, I got into real estate. I got in with a great group. Um, one of my best friends was, is still a realtor and he took me under his wing and taught me everything. I was very successful my first year. And so I was like, "Heh, I think I can do this. Um, when I told my dad that I was going to quit my job, he was super unhappy about it because he comes from a generation where you go to work and you stay there and you don't leave. Like mm -hmm. you have, you have a $60,000 a year job and you're getting benefits. Like you're an idiot. Why would you leave that? Right. But I wasn't happy. And um, now I'm happy with my job. So that's um, 30 minutes of your life. You'll never get back, but that's my story. So let's go back a little bit then and tell us a little bit about what it was like coming home from being in the military, because that's from my understanding, that was a really, really, really hard time. And even today now, sometimes you struggle with the like being disconnected from what you want to be and what you feel like you could be doing and doing so much where it's just like, yes, I like selling houses, but it's not important. Right. So yes. can you talk a little bit into, into some of that? Sure. Um, I was a damn good soldier. Like that was my thing. I loved it. And for all the drama, for all the, you know, yeah, I got yelled at in boot camp and yelled at whatever. For all of that, I, I, that was the best thing I've ever done. Right. Um, so coming home, I knew that, 
you know, my re-enlistment was coming up soon. And so it was either, okay, are you going to stay? Are you going to stay? Are you not? So when I got home, there was a lot of decisions that had to be made, of course, in terms of that. And um, fast forward to 25 years old, and I thought I knew everything. I was like, oh, I've got time. I can get out of the military and go back in if I want to. Eh. Well, that didn't happen. So think about think about if you took your life right now and you disappeared for a year and a half okay you completely disappear and everything stops for you right mm -hmm. and then put yourself back into your family a year and a half later and think about everything that has changed because that is what it feels like. That is what happens. Yes, I have been living this life over here in, in Baghdad. And yeah, I've been doing that. But that that's an everyday, same thing, everyday situation. And it's almost like a movie. It's like a dream. You're, you're doing it and you're away. But you're not thinking about home because you're thinking about staying alive. You're thinking about, okay, did I, you know, did I load my gun? Is my, you know, where's my gun? Da, da, da. And then you come back home and everything is different. <laughs> people have grown up. People look different. They live in different places. They're not the same people. Your friends are not the same people. Your friends don't get you anymore because now you've gone through this huge, you know, situation. You're 21 years old and all of your friends are wanting to party and get drunk. I don't want to do that. That's not where I am in life anymore. You grow up very quickly. Um, and so it's very difficult to integrate yourself back into normalcy because that has not been your normal for so long. And you, you say like, oh, well, it was only a year and a half. It probably took you a couple of years to get back to it. You never go back to who you were. You never get, it never evens out ever. So it's, it's different for me now than it will never go back. I will never go back to, the comfort of my family and the people that I knew before now, because it's almost like the matrix, like I've been awakened. Yeah. You can't unknow what you know. You can't now. unknow what you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't undo what you've done or unsee what you've seen. And I can imagine that I, I myself was never in the military, but I can imagine that there's so much, of a missional message just constantly, constantly mm -hmm. ingrained in you that normalcy feels trivial. It, it really does. And it's, okay. and, and the best thing that I can, and this is going to sound stupid. And probably if Bo heard me say this, he would like gasp, but the, the closest thing that I could probably relate it to is if you went to jail, because if you go to jail, you're in this confined area. You're in an area where you don't have control over anything you do. Everybody else is telling you what to do. It's a very dangerous place to be. So you are constantly on guard. You're constantly ready. You're constantly angry. You're constantly ready to kill somebody or defend yourself or you're on lookout or, you know, you're hoarding things because you don't know the next time you're going to get something. And, you know, toothpaste is a commodity. Like it, that's the, the closest thing that I can relate it to. And then when you get out of jail and you come home, everything is different. And you come home and it's like, now you have all these options and opportunities and you can wear whatever you want and eat whatever you want and do whatever you want and go wherever you want and you can spend your money. And it's just like, it's almost like being 
That's a culture shock. It is. It's gotta be. Yeah. No, yeah. no reacclimation. Um, no. It's like being Amish and then not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's rough. And, you know, it's, it's hard to, it, what's, what's more difficult probably than any, than the acclimating back to your family and friends is being able to work because, you know, from 17 to 25, I was in, I worked for people who were better than me. And I knew that they were better than me because they had earned their titles. They had earned their stripes. They had earned, you, you know, see it. I could see it. Right. <laughs> I could see what they had done. But then you go into the workplace and you've got Joe Blow over here who is in charge of you and they don't even know how to write a Facebook post, which back then there was no Facebook, but you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know, they don't even, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, how do you not know this? You're, you're, you know, so chain of command is a huge thing for me. It's, it's very difficult. Um, it's difficult to come back and work for somebody who's not organized. I mean, it's just like, why don't y'all have processes and procedures for this? Where is your standing op standard operating procedure? Why aren't you performing tech? Like it's, you're, you're brainwashed and maybe in a good way, but you're brainwashed and it's, you never get rid of that. You know, it, that doesn't go away. So now you are a, a full-time real estate agent. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that means while yes, you have to live within the confines of some boundaries, you're mostly your own boss at this right. point. Yes. How is that for you in managing yourself and um, being able to have a little bit of that freedom to make something the best it possibly can, but then also live without somebody telling you what to do, telling you how to do all that. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you've been trained to follow orders and now there are no orders. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the problem. About <laughs> 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 so, the skin of my same. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to manage yourself when you've always been managed. Right. And Carrie, I still haven't figured it out. I still don't know how to manage myself. I, I mean, I try, it's a daily struggle for me. Um, you know, I don't get up and make my bed every morning and I totally should, but I, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you would think as a soldier, I would still keep, but I don't. Right. Um, so, and one of those is self-management. <laughs> like I can't, I thrive on people telling me what to do as long as it's correct. And so being a real estate agent, the good new, the good part about that is like, I knew that it was going to be something that I wanted to do as soon as I went through class, because when they go over the rules and, you know, all that, like not being a religious person, but being more of a spiritual person, I, I believe in the 10 commandments because the, the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule, because that's just a good way to live, right? It's just a good way to be. Whether you believe in God, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're whatever, you can follow those and feel like you're being a good person and not missing out on life, right? So that was kind of how real estate was, is all the rules and the confines. It was literally, as long as you treat people with respect, 
you do the right thing and you do, you always do what's in the best interest of your client, then you're okay. And so I was like, well, shit, I could do that. <laughs> like, I want to make sure that, you know, they are happy. So as long as you're taking care of them first, you put their needs before yours, you're, you will be fine. The money will come and it does. And so that's, that, that's what I do. That's what I appreciate about it. And, you know, I do work for a brokerage, but I work for a broker now that is very much a, Hey, you pay me to keep you in line, not I'm your boss and this is what you're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like saying, Hey, here's a portion of my check. Make sure I don't screw up, but don't tell me how to do it. Right. So that's kind of the, I don't know if that really answered your question, but that's kind of why real estate works for me. It does. And I can totally see why it would work because it gives you the, the flexibility to have both the best of both worlds a little bit some accountability it's there if i want it but on your own terms so it's totally understandable so i'm sitting here looking at the list of like all of the jobs that we talked about earlier graphic design. oh well you still don't even know all girl i, I have, probably don't i really I have, probably i have don't. literally done everything from selling sex toys to picking <laughs> up sh- poop right? I've done all I've, it's kind of a problem. So now how long have you been doing real estate? This will be my fifth year. So this is the longest you've ever done anything other than the military. Yes. We talked about, we talked about why that's different. Yes. Mm -hmm. But now the question is like why real estate has worked for you. And we know that, but let's, get in a little bit to well now are you there have you found your purpose now no okay can you get a little bit into some of that my purpose was to be a soldier that was my purpose my purpose my purpose was a little bit of that still along the way yeah so and and my other purpose and and i feel like you can have more than one right Mm -hmm. there were two two things that i feel like i was meant to do one was the military and the second was to take care of my mother and I've done both of those right so now but looking at both of those things because I'm codependent as hell (laughs) right so those two things yeah that may have been my purpose but it was for other people right the military you know you 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 serve your country and and blah 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 and for my mom it was for her so now what is my purpose for me I don't know I don't know I know that I have a trainer's heart. I know that I could sit here all day and talk to you about my life and tell you everything I've ever learned and hope that it would help you. I, you know, but in terms of is real estate my purpose? I don't think so. I think just in general, helping people meet their goals is probably it. But I wouldn't like bet on it. Uh, well, and not that you asked, but do you want my opinion? Always, Carrie, give it to me. So I, I've told you this before. I can, like, literally from the moment that I met you, we instantly hit it off. Instantly. Yeah, and I um, think it only took you maybe, like, what, 
a month before you told me off about myself. <laughs> I'm like, let me tell you some insights. It, I say everybody loves. That's that's why I don't have any friends because I sign. No, that's why I love you. That, no, that is why you're my friend. That is, when you did that to me, I was like, oh yeah, this chick's gonna be around for the long haul. So well, I think that there's a little. Uh, I think that there's a little bit of as you are trying to convince yourself that your purpose has not already been fulfilled. Like I've served my purpose. Now I'm not worth anything because I'm not doing either of those things mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, I, what I constantly see you doing because this is who you are. I genuinely believe like if you were to take an Enneagram, I bet you're a two. I bet that you are a helper above all things. Um, so even in all these jobs, you can kind of see that woven through. You're just figuring out how you're going to help people next. Always. Yeah. I yeah. think you've been able to do that most successfully with real estate. That might not always be the case. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but I can totally see that you're you're still working constantly to figure out how to best serve people don't even really have to be hey guys let me tell you i moved a few months ago i've known this woman for maybe two months and she's like i'll pack up all your stuff i'll organize a huge yard sale for you i will handle all of it don't even come in your house and pack your stuff Tell me what you don't want to sell and I'll sell the rest of it. And I was just like, okay, over a weekend, it was completely done. Like, this is the kind of person this is, right? Like, she just sees a need. I'll never she... forget. I'll never forget Bo being like, why are you helping this girl? You don't even <laughs> why are you her. helping this lady? You don't even know her. You don't even know. And you're spending the night at her house. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, no, you don't get it, though. She has like this badge because she's in this group with me. So she's okay. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm okay. I, I'm not a serial killer or anything. But but I didn't know. But seriously, you go above and beyond to do things for other people. Um, my question is, when you're thinking about how to do it for yourself, how do you help yourself? Oh, Carrie, honey. <laughs> what, Courtney? I, well, what? But again, that's the million dollar question, right? If we knew how to do that, we wouldn't have to have these conversations in front of other people so that we could help them, right? So I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I will tell you that um, my relationship with Bo has helped me a lot because, you know, growing up, my dad was very, you know, put yourself in a position where you never have to lean on anybody. You never had to. So many a times I've worked two and three jobs just, just to, I like to work, right? I enjoy working and I enjoy working with people. So if I have free time to me, when I wasn't in a relationship, why not put a job in that free time where you're making money and also helping people, right? So my dad, you know, set me up for that, but he kind of set me up for failure too, because you know, love has never been something I cared about. I never wanted the white picket fence. I never wanted, you know, kids. I, that was not on my mind. It was always career, career, career. And so now being in love with somebody who wants my attention and does want to be around me and does care about me is 
making me realize that there's more to life than just my career. And I can still have a very healthy career and still be loved and still be, you know, have a family if I wanted to. And I don't, I don't have to work myself to the bone just to prove something to somebody. Right. And I think that that, that has been something that I have tried to do my entire life, whether it was to my parents, to my grandparents, to my friends, to my community, you know, to my military people, to somebody who was looking at my resume, I mean, whatever. I've always tried to prove, hey, I am good enough. I do want, you know, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Worthiness. Yeah. Right. Right. And now that I have somebody who picks me every single day, it makes me feel like there's more, there's just more to life. And I don't have to be so job related. Right. Right. Um, So it's gotten me to kind of sit back and think about, okay, well, what does my future look like? Because, you know, two years ago, my future looked like I didn't know where I was going to be living. I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be traveling the country because I want to do this and I want to do that. And that's still kind of in my mind. But now it's more of, okay, I want a healthy job that doesn't kill me i want to pay all my bills i want to make sure i'm steady and safe i don't need the best of everything i want to travel a little bit and i want to be in love and i want to get married and i want to you know so those things have never been in the picture ever that those things were never goals of mine and they are now so things are shifting shifting and maybe my purpose you know i never thought i'd be a mother but everybody's always been like, oh, you'd be such a great mom. Well, maybe that is my purpose and I just don't know it yet. You know, I, I, I think that I can continue to search for purpose and I can continue to search for happiness and not have a freaking clue where it's coming from. Right. I love that. that fantastic <laughs> answer. And, and I don't think that every day I have to wake up and say, oh my God, what? I didn't do anything today for my dream. Well, so what? That's why it's a dream and it's not fruition yet. Right. So I just, I'm learning now just not to be so hard on myself and not to be so mean to myself. And I think that's, that's more important to me in this stage of my life than really anything else. I mean, I've had successful careers. I know what to do. If I wanted to be a millionaire, I could do it, but obviously I'm not doing that. So, you know, because there's a little laziness in me. Right. So it's, it's that's where I'm at, I guess. That's the, that's where I'm at right now. I think that that's, you didn't need any help from me with that at all. I think <laughs> you're spot on, right? Well, I got um, told about myself early on, remember? So. <laughs> I've, honestly, I've seen a lot of growth in you just in the last few months. I mean, I just feel like, um, it's interesting to watch your friends as you see them get their mojo back. And yeah. the only reason yes. that I even know that you had lost your mojo is just because you told me. Right. Yeah, I've kind of flound- I'm floundering over here. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. Um, and I've also watched you say, okay, um, well, what would it mean for me to put down my guard a little bit and be okay with having... Being vulnerable. Being vulnerable, exactly. Or, or having a relationship where I'm okay with... Um, sharing a life with somebody as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to run the whole thing 
uh, letting somebody help you. Um, that's, I think, well, an interesting an interesting direction to take it. Well, and, you know, another thing is, and again, Bo has helped me with this too. Stacy wants you to know you're on fire right now. Oh, girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Y'all are something else. Um, but no, you know, Bo's helped me a lot with that too in terms of, in in the beginning of our, our relationship we're both super bullheaded right and we both want to be right and we both you know all these things and in the beginning of our relationship everything was the end of the world right, right. because our relationship is not normal our relationship is not you know what you see on uh, typical right 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 and i'm the breadwinner in our family and Bo takes care of everything else. He takes care of me. He takes care of everything else because that's just the way we have it. And I'm comfortable with that, but I wasn't comfortable being comfortable with it. Does that make sense? Because, you know, you grow up and you're like, okay, well, you're supposed to do this and do this and do this. But as our relationship has grown, it's more of, wow, we really got this figured out. Like we can really do this and be happy and it doesn't really matter other people think and it again having that sense of to prove something to somebody so he's he's helped me a lot with like not caring so much about what other people think oh that's being happy that's a constant uh what's a good way to say deprogramming right so you know they the shoulds and the supposed to's um, even yes, when you're like, supposed to, we're care. supposed to be doing this. Exactly. We're supposed to, or we should be, or we, you know, perfect example. Told him the other night we were talking about having some drinks or something. I don't remember. Anyways, I was like, you know, I grew up Monday through Friday. You don't drink, you don't grow out, you don't do anything because it's a school night. And he just looked at me and he was like, Courtney, you're an adult. <laughs> like, and oh, by the way, you work every day of the week. So your weekend is different anytime so it's okay if you drink on a wednesday night or it's okay if you go up or stay up or whatever and that is the beauty of my job is that i can elect to do that if i want to but that's the mindset that i've had and i'm 38 years old and i still feel like i can't go out on a school night yeah and it's it's um it's great you know, to a extent, because you want to make sure you hold yourself accountable to work and things like that. But then on the other hand, it's like, what am I, what do you miss out on just because you're so scared of breaking that mold of normalcy that you were told you had to abide by. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a very small example, but on a grander scale, think about it. Think about all the, all the little things that you're, you're making yourself adhere to because you were told, right? Well, it doesn't work out that way. Let me tell you, I, I did everything I was supposed to do, right? I graduated high school. I joined the military. I went to college, got a degree, got a great job, 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 <laughs> right? And I, they say, okay, then comes marriage, then comes kids. That's not how, I mean, there is no, there's no one way. There's, there's just not, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, and... The fact that you have to continuously sort of balance what your actual, what's working in your life, like, 
an atypical relationship for one thing. You have to constantly balance what's working in your life versus, again, just a constant, a, well now, well now, well now, you know, pushing you because mm -hmm. I feel like it pushes us towards false purposes. Right. And it feels like we're pushing to false goals and false idols even when, you know, money can't always be the purpose. Um, career can't always be your purpose. At what point do you get to just like do what you want and be happy? It, it's really, really hard though when you're so pre-programmed and so is yes. everything else in our culture. Yeah, because we're pre-programmed to think that success means you have the house, you have the car, you have the this, you have the money, you have the perfect little family and all this. That's not success. And it's not success to everybody and what your success is. And it took me a really long time to, to be okay with this is that, you know, your success looks very different than somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, there's, there's plenty of times where I've been like, what the, what next, right? Like when my mom passed away, you would have thought that I ran into a brick wall. I mean, it, it crushed me, not because I lost my mom. I, I'd been mourning her for months. She had been dying for months, right? I knew it was coming. I was not, I, that did not affect me. What affected me is who needs me now? Yeah. Like, where am I now? What, why, what do I do now? Need and to be needed. I need to be needed. I'm codependent as hell. If, if you, if you are a codependent person, codependent no more that book is freaking amazing and it will absolutely 100% put you in your place <laughs> so just that that has helped just recognizing well and if you don't know what the term codependent means it means that you need validation from somebody else to from doing things from doing things from them exactly which to, you think is a good thing to feel worthy and it is and it can be and again that's the number two right like i will help you help you help you help you and then i'll be very 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 upset because you didn't give me enough credit for helping yep. you exactly <laughs> yes and i and i never i never realized how I, the helping situation, right? I've gone through my entire life helping, you know, people, right? But like the first company that I got into with real estate, I did everything for them. And, and I'm not saying anything that I wouldn't be mad that they heard, right? I helped them recruit. I helped them train. I helped them write their mission statements. I mean, if you knew them, you knew that Courtney was somebody in that brokerage, right? But when it came down to when I needed something and I was able to go back and be like, see here, look at all this great stuff I did for you. It was like, well, we didn't ask you to do that. Thanks. But that doesn't mean I owe you anything. And that was the day that it was like, oh crap. Well, I think you owe me something, but we didn't have a contractual agreement. I did this because it made me feel good but you i also thought you were putting goodwill into I the goodwill system and it does not and work i would and it does not work that way and so it it has taken me a really long time to understand that if you're going to do something for other people out of the goodness of your heart you do it out of the goodness of your heart and then you're done and if it 
if it doesn't come back from them, it will come back eventually, but it's not a tit for tat. And I, I still have not a hundred percent learned that lesson because I do it a lot with Bo. Look at what I did for you. Why haven't you done this? Well, I didn't do that because I didn't want to. Can I tell you oh. where else that shows up really, really hard? <sighs> I don't know if I'll, even, I'll ever get used to it. I have children and they're not even little children. Like you expect little children to be ungrateful little beauties. That's not the word I was going to use, but um, you expect children to need a lot from you as they get older you expect them to kind of be like wow mom look at all this you did for me and that's not how it works it's uh it's really discouraging and it makes it very very challenging uh i i totally get it i totally get it and i had this in common with you because when some strange lady was like hey let me arrange this yard sale for you I was like, I, nobody's ever done a thing for me in my life. You don't understand. Like, I'm the doer. Nobody I, has I remember just been, you saying that. I don't you. know how to release this to you because I've never not been the doer. Um, I've never not been the caretaker. I've never not been the one in charge. That's me. And you're like, no, not this time. No, and you Back and I here. legit had a power struggle over that because I remember. I'm like, you, but. But wait a minute. But I don't know but, how, <laughs> but, but wait, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? And I remember telling you, I just, I really just need you to get out of your house. Like I need you to leave. And it, that you just have no idea how good that made me feel to be able to take that from you, which is again, the codependency, because no. let, let's be honest. I would totally expect that if I ever needed something from you that I could come and talk to you and be like, Hey, can I, and the moment you told me no in my head, I'm going to be like, well, shit, wait a minute. I sold your whole, you know, yeah. and so you have to, you have to right. get out of that though. You have, you can't be that way because that's unfair to put that on you. That's not your burden. That's mine. That's, it's totally unfair to put that much responsibility on the other person. And it's gotten being, <laughs> In my family, I am this person that you're describing. I am this person in my specific family. And let me tell you, being a martyr has helped me this many times. Yep. Never. And just, just so we're clear, as much as I did for my mother, as much as I did, and as much as I took off the rest of my family, and my brother didn't have to do anything, my aunts came and helped and, you know, gave me some, some relief, my grandmother, you know, but, but I, I took that, right? I was not even allowed to be there when she died, because they were mad at me. People were mad at me. And I got accused of taking her medicine one time. So it, it's one of those things where you have to know that if you're going to be there and do something and take on something that monumental that you do it full well, knowing you're not getting shit in return Yeah. because my mom, it's not, my mom didn't have life. My mom died with nothing but $900 in her bank account. That's still sitting there today because I refuse to go get it because to me, that means it's final and whatever, but there was nothing in it for me other than I have no regrets. I have no regrets with my mother. I said everything I needed to say, right? So you have to, 
we have to stop expecting so much from other people and being so hard on other people and being so or trying willing. to find our purpose right other people right and you can't do that you can't you can't no there's i don't care who it is or where you're searching you the only person that's at the end of the day and at the end of your life the only person that's going to be there is you like Bo will absolutely wipe my butt for me but he's not going to be in the coffin with me nope. so you know he he will be there and he'll take care of me but when it's all said and done like we're you know we have to we have to figure it out on our own and not expect anybody else to to do for you and yeah that codependent thing just just so everybody knows i never knew that was a bad thing and back in 2012 i had a friend of mine who we had a situation i don't remember what it was but anyways he brought that book over to my house and he's like you need to read this i'm like yeah whatever i don't read i don't i don't, <laughs> I don't read and i don't i'm not a reader i hate books i don't like reading books but anyways a couple of situation happened or actually what i i you know what i lied i have been fired <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> one time and it was from the first brokerage i worked for um in real estate my dream job right i did get fired from there but that's a long story and it it actually was very amicable but anyways we'll do another we'll do another interview on that yeah. one at some point <laughs> but um but after that i went back to that book and i started listening to it and i was like god i'm an asshole and so <laughs> I had to go back to James, the owner, and I was just like, I just want to apologize to you because I put so much expectation on him because of what I did for him that he never asked me for. And he probably never, never even knew. And never that knew I could do it. expectation was there. Yeah. He, and, and never, never had any idea that I had all these big dreams of being a partner and all this other stuff. It, it never even occurred to him and it completely ruined our business relationship. Mm. So it's, and that's my fault. I mean, it's hundred percent my fault and I own it. Um, so just because you do things for other people does not make you a good person. Right. Let's say that again for um, <laughs> those in the cheap seats. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just because, because you do a lot for somebody. It does not make you a good person. And it doesn't make, make you a good friend. It doesn't. It I'm doesn't. a really And it's not going to buy you approval. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I, I tell people all the time, I'm a really, really crappy friend. You're I'm not, there. By the way. Well, I'm there if you need me. You know, if you, if Carrie, you can call me any day and say, hey, I need you and I will be there, but don't expect me to call you on your birthday. Don't expect me to, I'm not going to cry with you. I'm very rarely going to tell you I love you. And if I do, it's going to be in a slick card that I send to you. And then we never talk about it again. I may or may not have gotten one of those, right. but we're not going to talk so, about it. We don't talk we don't about, talk about it. Love. That's right. But it's, you know, um, but I know that I'm there if you need me, but I've, but I also, I don't want to get hurt. You know, nobody wants to get hurt. Right. So you have these guards up and, and God forbid you look weak or vulnerable. God forbid. God forbid. And God forbid somebody finds out more about you than you want to tell them. Right. Oh my gosh. <sighs> All right. So you may have not seen how we do this next part, but we go through something called the three G's. The reason we do that um, is to, again, just highlight these particular shifts 
between the past, where we are now, grace for the now, and grace for the person that we were, and still going into the future with, you know, every everything that we've learned along the way. So my first question for you, we typically do this with our boss babes weekly, but I want you to look across your, your life a little bit and tell me what you're most grateful for in this journey that we've talked about today. Um, I hate these questions. This is why I don't journal. Do you mean to this tell is, you what you wrote? <laughs> yeah, because there's no telling it because it really kind of depends on what I was thinking about or if I was drinking or not when I did this. So <laughs> but, you said you're, um, the thing you're most grateful for was the time with your mom. Yes. Okay. That was what was coming to mind. I, for, for everything that happened, I had the best time with her. I had the best time with her. I learned so much about my mother during those times. I used to, because her disease was in her stomach, um, it was very difficult for her to eat. So she would have this um, how much time do we have? Cause I don't want to run out of tangent, but this is a cool story. This is my podcast. I do what I want. Okay, great. So, um, oh my God, Holly's on here. So now she knows I hate journaling. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know she was on here. Um, but I was specifically talking about her when I said that. So anyways, um, so my mom, you know, I, so because it was in her stomach, she couldn't eat and she, it, people would come over to the house and, they would be like, oh, you know, oh, we hope you get better. And I pray for, you know, I'm like, stop praying for her to be better. She's not going to get better. Pray for easy passing. Pray for her to, you know, to to come to terms with everything and pray for, uh, you know, it to not hurt or whatever, you, you know, but don't come over here and do this whole we hope you get over it crap because that's right. just not going to happen. And so people, people got to the point where they would bring her pot because, that was the only thing that would help her eat, right? So my mother could literally go into her room, pull out a drawer, and hmm, how do we want to feel today? <laughs> because she had pot from everybody. And so I would let her get high, and she would have like 15 to 17 different medicines she was on at any given time. And so, of course, you know, with pot, they're going to interact. And she would be so high and loopy. And I would just love to videotape her and ask her stupid questions. And she would just, she would, it was so much fun. And then I'd play it back for her when she was sober. And so she would be like, do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> Courtney, are you going to video me tonight? And I'm like, yeah, well, let's get high and let's get screwed up. And <laughs> I'll drink wine and you can get high. And, um, for her last birthday, I actually finally got high with her. Oh my God. It was cause at, you know, at that point, that's not what you did in life. Um, but anyways, cause you weren't supposed to, this should supposed not. To. Yeah. Oh God. Are you kidding me? I grew up in a house where you're not gay. You don't smoke and you don't date outside your race. That was the household that I grew up in. Well, my mom turned into a lesbian, a pot smoking lesbian. And I know for a fact that she had a relationship with a black woman. I don't, so what just happened, <laughs> you know? So, um, but again, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Like that's, that's the whole thing. Like we want to put out there into the world that we're these perfect people, but we're not. Mm -hmm. And for her, that was what perfect meant. Not saying that that is what perfect is. Okay. But so I, I just, I had the best memories, the best time with her, the best memories. I still can smell her every once in a while. And it's just, 
it, yeah, that was, yeah, it was just, I would not give that up for anything as, as awful as it was sometimes and as difficult. And as many times as I sat in my closet and bawled, I would not give that up for anything in the world. I cannot wait to read the book. Oh my gosh. I, well, you've read the, you know, the introduction. So wow. you, I need you to stay on my butt about the rest of it because I really, I really think I just, the no bullshit guide to die. I've heard this here. Stay on her butt about yeah. you heard yes. it here, folks. Yes. You heard it here. Well, because here's the thing. If you're dying and you're somebody who's dying, whether it's cancer or you've found out you've got six months or whatever, my mom ended up lasting in a year and a half, right? Um, so we were told six months, we got a year and a half. It was amazing. Well, and I really do think pot had a lot to do with that. So I'm just gonna plug that here. But anyways, um, the no bullshit guide to dying is I want to give people permission to be okay with dying or with their family dying because so many, I've seen so many people who have really ruined the last few months of their life by begging their parents to keep going to treatment or begging their parents, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Listen, the ultimate goal of life is death. We're all going to die, right? We all know that. We're not stupid. And yeah, we're scared of it or, or, or whatever. But once you get that that sentence or whatever, it's okay to be okay. It's okay to love through it. It's okay to laugh through it. It's okay to make jokes about it. I remember the day my mom came home with three Lily Bloom purses because those are the type of persons that we love. And I looked at her and I was like, what are you going to do with those? And she's like, well, when I die, you can have them. Like, it's okay to be okay it's okay to to laugh and joke and we used to talk about sticking her up when she was <laughs> we used to talk about when she died we were going to stick her up and take pictures of her like those people in the old days did and you know i have those memories weekend at bernie style yeah i have those she oh. had a nub on her ear and i the day she was dying right like she she had like three days when she was passing over right and the day before she died I gave her her last facial she was kind of in kind of out whatever so I gave her her last facial and I was talking to her and I was like she had this nub on her ear and I had convinced her a few months earlier that it was it was her dead twin that she had eaten when she was <laughs> in the womb okay now obviously you know but I had convinced her right we called him buddy and um, I told her that when she died, I was going to take her nub and wear it around my neck. And that was going to be my piece of her. And I know this is morbid, but this just goes to show you, like, it's okay. So she's dying. Morbid she, happens during death, by the way. Right. She knows she's dying. She's in the process of dying. I'm sitting there beside her and I lean in and I'm like, oh, can I go ahead and take Buddy? <laughs> she was like literally cusses me out and tells me to get away from her ears like that i'll never forget that i'll never forget it you know that was our moment and and right then i promised her that uh i would wear makeup to work which i have not done so please don't tell her um i promised her god i forgot the third thing but then i promised her i'd never trust fart because she used to fart all the time and have accidents so that was my promises that i made to her and those are those are special right I'll never forget those moments. So I just, I want to give people permission to be okay with being okay. Cause I think that 
we're expected to mourn and we're expected to be upset and be this just awful situation and as awful as it is. I think there's a way to do death your way. Right. Yeah. So that's, um, that's that. Moving on to the next thing. What do you need to give yourself grace for? What does that even mean? What do you need to forgive yourself for? Okay. Even Um, now. Mm. What did I write? See, but to be more proud of who you are and what you've done to get here. Yeah, because yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot, and this is what I tell people when people see it laid out in front of them like this, like a deck of cards. They're like, "Whoa, it's a lot more than I realized." I've been through a lot more. I've done a lot more. I've jumped through a lot more hoops, um, and I think you capture that here because I don't think you even realize. It's sad, right? What an impact you've made in the world. Really. It's sad. It's sad, right? Like uh-huh. we go through this, we go through our lives and, and all, all we want to do is be loved and accepted and happy. Right. And I've done all these things that you would think that I would feel that, that I would feel like content with the things that I've done and the people that I've helped because I have helped. I mean, I've, I've, I've changed lives. I know I have. I've, I know, I know, like, if I really want to be honest, I know I have changed people's lives. I still have students come back to me now. Miss Huey, Miss Huey, you know, I thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. But for some reason, I just can't get to that other side of being proud of what I've done and knowing that I'm the one who did it. And I'm the one who was there. And it's okay to be proud of yourself because we're taught not to be boastful. But so, so yeah, that's, I definitely want to, to stop being so hard on myself and just, I mean, I'm really mean to myself. I mean, I have, I have been in the past and, and I just, I'd like to get over that. Right. Like everybody else. <laughs> I think it's a very common thing too. Yeah. That's what's really sad. Actually. It is. It's so sad because we're I, so hard on ourselves. You do, I mean, we do, and we do such amazing things and, you know, I put so many of my friends up on a pedestal and you're one of them and you know that, so we don't have to go there, but look, I get really uncomfortable. Right. About that stuff right? <laughs> but me too. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> stop it. But, <laughs> but it's like, but as soon as you start telling me or congratulating me or whatever, I get, I'm like, yeah, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Are you kidding me? It wasn't that big of a deal. Your first year in real estate, you sold 21 properties. Most people only do three or four. Are you kidding me? Wasn't that big of a deal? You did that. You Mm -hmm. did that. So I think we just, I don't know how to fix that problem, but hopefully you'll figure it out and let everybody know. (laughs) I'll work on that one. Yeah. All right. Plans for the world. Exactly. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Plans for the future going forward. A yes to the book. Yes. Yeah. Definitely the book. Um, you know, I want to get married and maybe have a baby that's on my mind for the first time in my entire life. Um, you know, I'm 38 years old, so if it's going to happen, it needs to happen soon. But, and if it doesn't, it's fine. I mean, it, it, I, I have no like sadness about that if it doesn't happen. Right. But, um, yeah, definitely the book. I want to eventually shift from real estate into more of a trainer role and more of a, um, coaching, training, uh, basically just showing people they can do it. Like whatever it is, it is whatever, but I mean, you can do whatever you want. You just have to do it. (laughs) 
you know, so that's, that's, that's it. That's God goals are hard. I know. I know they really, because then I'm like, I'm going to look back at this in three years and be like, you wanted to do what (laughs) you wanted to write a book. You're an idiot. You're never going to write a book. Like that's the, so I told myself that before I wrote my book too. And there's a book out there somewhere. There is. Yeah. It's a shameless plug, but (laughs) (laughs) I I have an autographed coffee. Coffee. I actually have two, I think somewhere, but yeah. All right, guys. Uh, I, have so loved this conversation partially because I so love this person she's again one of one of my faves I tell her that all the time I'm like you're my favorite you know that right Um, (laughs) I tell her all the time um but if I had to pull a theme out of this conversation about purpose it's that first of all we can have more than one purpose second of all purpose finding Seems to be a constant thing, actually. It's not something you get to once and you're done. Yay, congratulations. Um, We go through these seasons. And I think one of the things we have to do is shift, especially as women, from being these um, sort of caretakers by nature to being okay with being able to find ourselves in our purpose, to do something for ourselves, to appreciate what we can do for the world and shift that impact that we have in other people's lives to even impacting our own lives, giving ourselves a little bit of space and permission to be okay with something that's just ours or that's non-traditional or that seems kind of out there weird. I mean, for me, it certainly was writing a book. When I started writing a book, people were like, sure, you're going to write a book, honey. And, you know, just oh, like them, because yeah, I did write a book. Absolutely. <laughs> Same thing happened when I said I was going to join the military. I'll never forget this dumb woman at Applebee's that I was working with. She was a lot older than me, and she was like, you'll never make it. Well, guess who's still working at Applebee's? Not me. There you go. I'm not there. Haters gonna hate, man. You might as well just go find something that you love. And I think that when we really dig into our passions is where we end up finding our purposes sort of on purpose by accident. So I want to thank my friend Courtney so much for being here. Uh, I so appreciate you. You are an absolutely amazing woman and you don't tell yourself enough so i will be annoying enough to tell you how fantastic you are i'm ever 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 so impressed with you all the time um and one of these days i'm gonna come pack up your house while you're not there and you're gonna come home and everything's gonna be gone and you're gonna be like what the hell happened and i'm gonna be like i helped damn it carrie i helped (laughs) I did for you what you did for me. Codependent for the win. <laughs> it's time for me back. to go through your stuff, okay? Because it was very awkward. Oh my god, it was feeling. so much fun. It was so much fun. There's so right. many things y'all don't know about Carrie that I could tell you. Don't I'm you don't want to know? You no, don't. Just know. <laughs> well, thank you for you know. It means a lot to me that you thought enough of me to even let me come on here and share my story with with people because I know this is your baby and this is you know. So just, just, I, I feel honored to even be here. So thank you for 
for doing that. And thank you for being part of my tribe and all that other gushy crap. Thank you. Love you, mean it. Thank you for joining the Shiro Shift Podcast. The Shiro Shift Podcast is sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. To find out more about Cardio Dance Babes, go to cardiodancebabes.com or to apply to be a guest on the show, go to cardiodancebabes.com slash stories. <laughs>